0: Yeah. Uh, good afternoon. Uh, I am, uh, my name is Gopinath. I'm from Indian Institute of Science. I teach computer science there. Okay. So uh, again, thanks to Rajiv uh, Malhotra um, and Professor uh, Kannan and, uh, and uh, other people uh, for giving me an opportunity to talk about uh, this topic. Um, Luckily, I think the previous speaker, what I'm going to speak about is not much. I think you covered the different uh, aspects of it, mm-hmm. and the cover is very different. I'm just reacting to what I understand of the paper. So, uh, I think it is uh, of a different uh, flavor. I think basically, uh, when you look at this work, to me it looks as though uh, certain questions are posed, and some strange elements are brought in. And some evidence is marshaled, and you get certain kinds of conclusions. To me, this reminds me of a propaganda system in operation. And uh, I find that that's the best way to understand it, otherwise, I just can't make sense of it. It looks a bit simplistic, but that's the best I can uh, do to understand. For example, let's take the context, 1992. I think there was an interesting book published, The American Holocaust by David Stannard. And it shows the connection between American holocaust, the Nazi holocaust and the church. And the people who are, the numbers of people dead are in the of hundred millions. And that surprisingly, there is no obvious entity responsible for this in standard accounts till about uh, three to four decades back. This of of the church of Western powers. Columbus is placed as a discoverer. And only in 1992, surprisingly the first time, the uh, Native Americans take a public stand saying that we do not celebrate Columbus Day. Again, on the same time, there are other things happening in India also. 86 to 92, we have all these Shah Bano, the breaking of the, uh, let's say, locks on the temple in Ayodhya. The Shilaniyas movement has started. And the demolition happens in 92. The number of deaths are about uh, people are killed about, about hundreds and uh, but in, compared to this one if you look at this one almost nobody is responsible but here it is uh, fairly clear who is responsible and about 93 Pollock writes a paper on deep orientalism etc and this is actually part of uh, uh, some seminar series in 88. Uh, so you can see that the uh, there's no direct connection, but at the same time it's happening around the same time. And uh, Pollock actually does some job of equating the two things in some way. And basically, uh, my understanding is that uh, the sense what is is going to be coming. Some people are going to study all these things and come up with different things. And there is some kind of a preemptive uh, strike you might say. So for people like Polak who are sensitive and uh, they know that uh, actually Nazi Holocaust could be framed this way, so they are trying to figure out how to hit back uh, ahead of time. I think that's what the Second think about. Okay. So look for Nazi Holocaust precursors elsewhere, or it's part of a dominant narrative. Isn't it it's a part of it. Again, I don't want to go too much detail about this. So look at this. So look at this uh, book. He talks about uh, what it was like before sir 1492. Then he talks about what happened, the pop-up genocide from Mexico to Central and South America, then Florida, Virginia, etc. And then he says, typically, 90% of the populations died. And he says, how did this happen? And his, I think, so nice that it happened, question. And he basically says, digging deep into ancient European Christian identity, sex, race, war cultural ground well prepared by the, end of the Middle villages for the centuries-long genocide. Time. Okay? And of course, this was happening to the Indic uh, Christians. So, in a sense, also standard contends that the perpetrators of the American Holocaust drew on the same ideological well-being as the later and Muslim That's what it contends. Again, uh, for me, the more interesting thing was, is there an immediate precursor for this? Again, the previous speaker also if you pointed this out. If you look at Namibia, it turned out in the 1840s from uh, some missionary society was established. In 1884, this month's Boring Conference alerts spheres and influence in Africa. And it turns out German becomes the third largest area that they have control over after Britain and France. There is this uh tribal's uh, the tribes in Malibia, and namas in Namibia, and there's competition between eighty five to nineteen oh four for uh, land cattle. There are some backers, and uh, they are in between three forces Herodos, Namas, and Germans. Germans, as usual, break treaties, steal land, and this nature. Yes. Right? And surprisingly, Heinrich Göring, who is the father of the the Nazi leader to be coming, happens to the Imperial Commissioner of South West Africa. And uh, this, there was some uh, connection between this crowd, uh, where, where Herodos and Namas, they were in antagonism sometimes, they were in league with Germans sometimes, but finally, the Herodos and Namas realized that the Germans are the bigger enemy. So finally, there was a major rebellion by the Herodos aided with Namas. And this general, Von he explicitly formulated a part extermination. Murder, dehydration, poisoning, etc. Not just that, they went to the extent of doing medical experiments and dying patients, etc. So, uh, uh, what is interesting also for us is that this concept, concept of concentration camps, actually started getting serious currency around this time, but actually it was picked up on the British, because the British people also had this hands uh, of boyers and Africans. Yeah. So, uh, uh, again, to f- go further, it turns out there are more interesting developments also. It turns out that uh, there was an anthropologist, name Fisher, who actually conducted experiments on African victims of Herodotus, including body parts, and all the people who were dead, there was an organized export of this skulls to Germany. And I read somewhere that a lot of medical understanding about these diseases and how to cure them actually happened because the Germans actually did this experiment in Africa. So again, the same person wrote a book on physical heredity, which was read by Hitler in And ideas are used in Mein Kampf. I actually briefly glossed over the Mein Kampf as part of this preparation for this particular time. And this same person, became the director of uh, Institute of Anthropology. He teaches racial writing to SS doctors how to guard purity race. He conducts experiments on racially mixed children in crime, basically French and German uh, uh, mixed children. And uh, his protagist student, he does experiments on Jewish and Roman things and was Okay, this is in the 1940s. And the same person actually became appointed as a hundred percent of the anthropologist after a due denazification. De- okay. The UN report declares heroic genocide the first and two days in today's century. And what I'm trying to suggest is that this understanding about how to conduct genocides mm-hmm. actually happened through, uh, not so obviously from Sanskrit, but it happened more directly through some of And 1919, uh, 1990, Namibia we independent. And I think uh, I was a student at the time, and I used to hear about the US student process in the 19- 80s about South Africa and the smartphone, all these things. Okay? And so any sensitive scholar would have understood what was going on here. But what is shocking to me and surprising to me is that a deep scholar like Pollard has no mention of any of these things. Okay, that's what surprises me. So again, in 2004, German ambassador to Namibia apologized, but no reparations. Still today, there's no reparations. In the, with respect to Jewish people, they have done the reparations. But with respect to uh, Namibia, they are stone completely. Okay. Again, this is uh, summarized some some particular reference here. So if I look back upon it, there are two good explanations for Genesis and Nari genocide, church and persecution of Jews and European role in Genesis. But for Polar this is too pedestrian, if it's too obvious or uh, whatever it is. So instead, what he does is uh, try to get evidence of this concept. So basically, uncritically assume that a is supported by use of words like aryan or Symbols for as But if you think about it, all these symbols are used denote correlations of linguistic facts rather than for example good good context audience or auspiciousness with respect to society. And uh, also it turns out uh, many German Indologists were nazi sympathizers but that also was true for many German scientists also. It's not really necessary to assume that just because German Indologists were nazi sympathizers, that uh, German Indology actually cost it to happen. It could be okay, because of the whole society was like that passing cost this unequal treaty of the and hyperinflation, financial cartel run by US, Britain, France. There was all kinds of real serious problems were there at that time. And uh, so, there was social, uh, serious social disorbing. Lineup, okay? So, the uh, fact that many people who are Nazi sympathizers. is not surprising. Okay? The fact that German intelligence was also Nazi sympathizers. is not very surprising. Okay? So, basically in a sense, I would suggest that there is dubious argumentation going on. And uh, briefly to talk about the argument in the paper. First of all, it expands the scope of orientalism broadly and makes it equivalent to any system of nomination oppression. Then it takes examples of inequality in Indian society in the past, and now it makes it also some type of expanded notion of orientalism because of inequality exists. Now there is some continuity between internal orientalism and other kinds of orientalisms. Again, now it brings in the fact that general ideology had lots of support of non-synthesizers. And then, because of that, and because of the caste system he conflicts with racism and therefore nazis were only continuing what indians were doing or not I mean there is some kind of a fairly complex and slightly non trivial reasoning that goes behind but if you think carefully okay. this is what is good and because of the resilience of the sanskrit knowledge systems for more than 2 million eh, there was something in sanskrit okay, deep structure of order, domination, oppression that makes internal communal orientalism and the nazi German nazi variety possible so uh, and therefore, uh, Germans because they studied the Sanskrit knowledge system intensely, they became uh, infected with this structure and order domination of domination oppression became hallmarks of Nazis. Okay? So in a sense, Sanskrit knowledge systems molded the Nazis into a certain types of uh, uh, moral functions. So that I think is basically what understanding about this. Okay? But uh, if you think a bit more, I think you can see that there is some other uh, lots of interesting uh, ideas. For example, Rob Hilbert, uh, He talks about the destruction of European Jews. And he talks about how uh, there are many canonical laws of the church, at least about 22 of them. And it turns out that the canonical laws of the church are very similar to what the Nazis promoted. For example, in 306, Jews and Christians not permitted to become the sign of the Jews bought from the This is the Nazi version. This is the uh, 306 version. Provision of intermarriage and of sexual intercourse between Christians and Jews. This is in 306. This is for law of production of German blood and olive. This is the Nazi version. Jews not permitted to show themselves in street with fashion. Decree authorizing local authorities to bar Jews from the streets and And basically, this particular book talks about this s- startling similarities between uh, whatever those guys did and what this guy And uh, what is... Shocking of to me is that he often times introduces uh, uh, some uh, strangely, some other uh, non-relevant things into the picture to uh, bring uh, some dubious conclusion. For example, uh, something about uh, uh, na- national socialist capturing power, but he says that it was uh, what they were doing was historically codified. <laughs> now, where is this coming from? I don't know. Okay, okay. So no, what's interesting is that I can actually say, careful the science, Okay? Because uh, Hilbert actually historically attested that this would happen. Yes? But he actually says specifically, uh, actually uh, we can argue the opposite way. Because we have untouchability in our country, unfortunately. So when discussing untouchability with restriction of sharing food, we can also say, This uh, is synodic. Because uh, they also say that uh, Jews and Christians were also not fearful. They also say that. We can as well say, synodically, it was happening in this country. (laughs) (laughs) So again, our problem also is that the theory isn't matching. He says, reviewing Indology in the way we have just done, we encounter a field of knowledge, history and object, both have been permeated with power. But surprisingly, he doesn't. uh, If anybody were to make a strong statement, it will at least compare other situations also. It doesn't do that. For example, it doesn't look at uh, whether other societies were also having this kind of problems, for example, slaving societies, or multiple genocide in the Europeans, or large libraries Alexandria are not were burned, or some sort of Thales are burned in being water. So none of this is considered. And he puts it out as a, I would say, that some kind of theorizing and matching, you just look at your own stuff, and keep deriving all kinds of things. Again, uh, uh, I'm not sure, I'm running out of time. But I'll just quickly, uh, and he has also some interesting uh, uh, wordplay. He talks about Sanskrit arth- orthogenetic nature. Basically, uh, orthogenesis means that the property of an inflexible internal structure that manifests itself in any environment. You take the structure to it here starts behaving exactly the same. To it here, also behaves the same. Okay? So he claims that Sanskrit has, uh, uh, has this property. And, uh, so, uh, Therefore, uh, in the hands of Germans, because you're no surprised that the same structure also expands. Again, I don't have time to go through this, but there's a lot of uh, very interesting, dense English stuff. I don't have time to go through it. Right, Basically, if you look at, the, okay, if you look at the style, there are a lot of jumps of logic and rhetoric. For example, uh, I'll give an example, the principal target of orientalist critique and intimate and often complicated. That sometimes truly so. You don't know whether it is intimate. It's complicated, but sometimes it could be heavily, <laughs> you know, what is what is it really talking about? Yeah. So sometimes so anything, anything goes and can be selectively used later for pre-formed ideas that need to be controlled. Okay? okay? Ignore whatever is convenient, inconvenient. For example, it, it starts with the following. The various forms of cultural and spiritual and do not require special commentary. And then it goes on to talk about something else. In a sense, what you can do is you can first create, trivialize the relevant aspect and concept in <laughs> the features. Okay? So it does that systematically. Sometimes it also intimidating because sometimes you use words which we don't know. For example, I don't know how famous this word I'm sorry. I'm ignorant of this thing some of you. So uh, to me, it looks like a needless German word just to show that uh, he was something. <laughs> so basically, uh, for me What I think is that when I think about this, it looks like a propaganda function, implicit support to what Raji Mahaprabhu calls is just telling white work, European neuroscience. And explicit demonization there are two parts to this. Okay. So basically, if you, the obvious truth, that has to be made to receive in the background, the only way to do it non-issues have to be the cloud-based thinking has to be put in front, carefully nurtured, and repeated by others. Okay. Once you do it, then on a few decades, it becomes state. Okay. So for example, Modi's demonization? I think is a good recent example and Madhukesh has done a great job of writing uh, about it. And uh, I found that uh, some of the previous uh, thinkers like Herman and Chomsky, they did a good job of uh, analyzing intellectuals and media role in political systems. I should admit that uh, Chomsky's idea about Indian politics, I'm not sure I agree with I just, uh, but I think that his analysis is quite interesting. So I briefly spent a few more minutes talking about this. So if you look at Herman Ch- Chomsky's model. He talks about societal purpose is to serve the elite elite groups, but the study of media institutions and how they function is scrupulously ignored, apart from the fringe elements are related to the The theory this model postulates five classes of teachers. Who wants the medium? Who is funding it? How is it sourcing? Means how does it from that particular medium, where does it go? Uh, how does it source other things? Who are the flag enforcers? When flag means some uh, action from the periphery would sort of straighten <coughs> out the path in such. Okay? And, uh, and other things like anti communism, fear ideology. Of course, in our case, they have to the something Okay, uh, So these elements interact with and reinforce each other. The raw material of news must pass through successive filters, being only the cleanest fit to be out. Okay? So this is uh, briefly the model. And he uses it to explain, for example, uh, the American intervention in Vietnam, how the press was there in the US, for example. The New York Times are uh, extensively. So for me, the interesting thing is that uh, we have uh, some kind of a propaganda system in operation uh, for the last, uh, I don't know, at least uh, 50 to 100 years now. Mm-hmm. So uh, for example, when it comes to ownership, the faculty positions are owned by certain uh, entities. The Iranian government, uh, their bodies they own certain things in the recent past. I think some of the list which uh, Rajiv has fought against Funding sources, US academic system, US uh, what is this? Corporate social responsibility. I know, Google actually is uh, sent about 11 million dollars to uh, World Vision, which is a uh, Christian hunting uh, funding mm-hmm. okay. So uh, Indian corporate funders, such Islamic funds, But at the same time there are no funds for index studying India. Audit very mm-hmm. minor quantities. Okay. So the sourcing aspect is the PhDs that are produced, the tech reports are produced, books. A uh, good example also is that there is one project that is Mark Simulton, he talks about Western origins of Australian uh, mm-hmm. basically, this is the kind of stuff that keeps on coming out, and we are left only reacting to it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, flag enforcers gatekeepers so that anyone daring to support indigenous has to pay serious cost. Again, the failure about ideologies about you know, throwing all this world at like RSS, fascism, you know, that's very And again, recently, Rajiv has written a book on academic All these things are also <laughs> continuous. So, uh, a uh, briefly we'll close in a few minutes. So basically what we have is that we have a reality of disinformation, digestion, defamation, victim, etc. Right? So we can have heavy-handed approaches to doing these kind of past anti-defamation, anti-hate laws, <coughs> like anti-divorce, etc. But these are problematic. Okay? Getting support in this case also is very difficult because we have all this uh, breaking mm-hmm. in the okay? We can try to use existing laws like what, what was used uh, by Batra. That also seems to be a problematic thing because it interface with sincere and incisive discussions. Okay. There are also possibilities of using new IPR laws. For example, there are laws on moral rights. For example, the part concerning right to be, right to be integrated. For example, you cannot uh, take somebody's work and uh, mis it. The author can go after you. Okay. So our problem is that our texts, for example, Gita, are many centuries old and uh, uh, they are in public domain and there's no tangible author, which so it's not easy to, I'm not sure about this, but I think uh, we'll see that there is some progress in this area. We look at uh, geographical indicators. You can't mislabel things. If you mislabel things, uh, the trips, uh, etc., there is some uh, WTO WT rules are there which there will take care of. So mislabeling is not possible in some areas, but we have to figure out how to avoid mislabeling in our area. So, Rajiv has talked about Poison Fits. Uh, uh, basically, just like in Coffee and Software, we have interesting uh, ideas. And uh, uh, the only problem for us is that these things do not provide uh, or protect the societal replication mechanisms for because the replication is happening through propaganda or the opposite, the attenuation, the criticism. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the thing is, uh, how do we actually enforce this kind of things? So essentially, we have to uh, look at uh, where does criticism start and, and propaganda starting, and, and uh, uh, I'm wondering if uh, uh, essentially we need to understand so you can speak or what critical perspective and dig models. And uh, again, it looks to me somewhat similar to the notion of the tradition. Again, Kari also has uh, talked about this in his recent course. So this requires some serious study. So I'll just uh, end with uh, uh, this particular observation. To me, the Polo's thesis seems to postulate a butterfly, whatever I mean the matter is. The I think it's been, say, somewhere in China, but it causes a major hurricane in some other far away. Because, there is, uh, so because you look at such heavy-duty explanations are available, he instead concentrates on something else. Okay? And uh, sometimes this kind of thing is quite reasonable. Uh, sometimes there are unexamined uh, aspects. But in this case, at least, I think, historically, so much is available. As somebody, I think you mentioned, so much has been written about it. He completely ignores it and concentrates on something else. Like, that seems to be true. And so basically, to me, it, uh, uh, I feel to understand this work. And the only way I understand it is because of the and systems. Further work is near to break as an aspect of the model, the model I mentioned about change, funding, social aspects, etc. And also the nature of flak and forces stress social media. And uh, I think we need to study the intersection of propaganda, anti-indic bias, as well as legal remedies. It's something we have to look into some more these things. And uh, this I'd like to conclude. Thank you. Thank you.